Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 51 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. And my guest today is one of the rising stars in Ring of Honor, and I'm going to go on record right now and say that he is a future champion. He is Rensselaer, Indiana's favorite son, Eli Isom. Eli, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me today, Kevin. Well, I got to ask you for, you know, since I introduced you as Rensselaer, Indiana's favorite son, I have to ask you, are you the most famous person from Rensselaer, Indiana? Um, actually, I don't think I am, <laughs> to be honest with you. I know there was, a, there was a guy back in, I think it was like the 1930s. I forgot his name, but he actually won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he went to Michigan. Uh, he was a running back. But, yeah, I think he might have me beat as of right now. But I, I do appreciate the, the favorite son tagline. I mean, I can, I can rule with that for sure. Well, see, this was actually a little bit of a test because I wanted to see um, your humility. I wanted to see if you felt like you were the most famous person from Rensselaer, Indiana, because I'll, I'll be honest, uh, I actually did my research. I went on the Rensselaer, Indiana Wikipedia page. Now, not that you can, uh, you know, I think we all know uh, Wikipedia is not a reliable source. Right. But they listed a few people on there. You were not, you were not on the list, which I think is a, uh, it just goes to show that, um, that Wikipedia is not reliable. But yes, the person that you mentioned, Tom Harmon, is on the list. 1940 Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, there's a few other people. Eleanor Stackhouse Atkinson, who's an author. Uh, Dan Brandenburg, who played in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. Never heard of him. Uh, Charles Halleck, Republican leader of the United States House of Representatives. Never heard of him. Uh, James Frederick Hanley, American songwriter. Augustus Phillips, actor during the silent film era and a general in the Union Army during the Civil War, Robert H. Milroy. I'll go on record right now as saying you are the most famous person from Rensselaer, Indiana. Because <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Uh, it's funny you bring up Dan Brandenburg because he's like the most uh, decorated athlete in our high school. Like all the records belong to him. And yeah, uh, yeah I think he ended up uh, – he made it to the NFL, but he only played special teams, I believe. So – but right. still, uh, pretty impressive nonetheless. Yeah, pretty impressive. He played for the Buffalo Bills for a few seasons, it says here. But uh, I got to ask, though, you know, all those, all those people, and, you know, I'm, I'm kidding all those people, of course, all, all great accomplishments. But of course. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, really, who did they ever beat? Because I know who you've beaten. Former Ring of Honor World Champion Christopher Daniels. Former Ring of Honor World Television Champion Shane Taylor. Former World Six-Man Champion... Ray Horace, and you beat my good friend, the former WCW hardcore and cruiserweight champion, Crowbar. So that's quite a list, I would say. So I think someone needs to update that Wikipedia page. Get you on there. Yeah, if they did, you know, I'd, I'd appreciate it for sure. <laughs> well, the population, I, again, I, and I don't want to make this all about Rensselaer, Indiana, but I'm fascinated by uh, smaller towns. The, the population again, according to, uh, I think it was the 2019 census estimation, is just under 6,000 people. So 
what was it like growing up in Rensselaer? I mean, what, what, what does one do for fun there? Uh, so growing up in Rensselaer, it's very, uh, it's very enclosed. Like everybody knows everybody. Um, you know, it's, uh, a lot of families have been there for just generations. Uh, not a whole lot to do, uh, if you can believe it or not. <laughs> uh, there, we have like a few parks. So, you know, a couple of us would play like pickup basketball or, you know, like, uh, flag football and stuff like that. Uh, one of the big things about Rensselaer is that we're the only town in that area that has a Walmart. So <laughs> Walmart's a big, you know, hangout spot for some people. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I'm living in a small town myself right now, which is uh, totally different from me. Uh, I've never really lived in it. In it's about, it's probably about the same size, uh, maybe a little smaller uh, than where you grew up. That's definitely a, a change. Uh, for me, again, having lived in, you know, bigger suburbs, uh, I can't, but there are people here where I live, where um, it's kind of like you said in Rensselaer, I think you're born there, you live there, you die there. Like there aren't, like people will stay here for life. Yeah, pretty much. That's what Rensselaer is. Uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people have just, you know, they've been there for ages. And, you know, I know people's, you know, grandparents and their great grandparents. So it's, <laughs> it, it's a nice, it's a nice town, but you know, very very small and it's yeah. crazy because when i moved out here and started traveling on the road it was just kind of you know kind of a culture shock i guess you could say because and i'm just used to you know humble small town living and then we're having events in the hammerstein ballroom in the middle of manhattan so it's <laughs> it's quite the difference for sure and where are you now did you relocate to baltimore or where where are you I'm in Bristol, Pennsylvania now. Okay. So when I moved, when I moved out uh, from Rensselaer, I moved straight to Bristol because that's where the old ROH dojo was. Right. And I, I moved out there in 2017 and I've been here ever since. Okay. Well, I know that on your most recent, uh, on the sit down interview that you did before your match against Ray Oris, you mentioned that you were a three sport athlete in high school and you mentioned track, wrestling and football but I was surprised not basketball because I thought in Indiana, like it's a law that every kid has to play basketball. Right. Yeah. Uh, Indiana basketball, especially high school, Indiana basketball is uh, religion for some people. Yeah. But uh, I was just, uh, I like basketball, but I was never really good at it, I guess you could say. And I had more interests in, you know, wrestling and football for sure. So that's what I pretty much dedicated most of my time towards in high school. Well, certainly a good decision, uh, getting that amateur wrestling background, uh, considering where you are now. I'm sure that did, – did you find that – I mean, I've heard conflicting things from people. Do, do you find, like, the amateur wrestling actually does help prepare you for pro wrestling? I, or? I believe so. I really do because I feel like a lot of things in amateur wrestling, you know, can help you physically, you know, just translate into pro wrestling. I, I think it's kind of, like, underappreciated a little bit. But I definitely would suggest anybody who is wanting to get into pro wrestling to try amateur wrestling first, just to get a feel for it. Well, and obviously we're going to talk a lot of, you know, today about pro wrestling for sure. But before we get into wrestling, one other thing I want to briefly talk about, and that is football. Uh, because one of the things that you and I have in common, I discovered, is a love for the Baltimore Ravens. So I have to ask you, how did you become 
a Ravens fan. And, and when did this happen that you that you uh, became a Ravens fan? So I started watching football, I think around 2006. And it's when the Colts were like really good, you know, like prime Peyton Manning. And at first I was a Colts fan just because, you know, everybody, everybody in Rensselaer, you're either a Colts fan or you're a Bears fan. That's just like the region that we're in. So I started as a Colts fan, but then it got to the divisional round of the playoffs that year and the Colts played the Ravens. And I was like, okay, yeah, here we go, Colts. And then, then I started seeing Ray Lewis and like how he was just like so fiery and passionate and just cool. He was just so cool. I don't know. He was just really cool to me. And that's when I started to flip and I started watching more Ravens games than Colts games. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm a Ravens guy now. And I've been a Ravens guy ever since. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I mean, it's not like you grew up. Um, I'm trying to think of like, you know, who was a bad team? Jacksonville. It's not like you grew up where you had a losing history. I mean, the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, obviously one of the greatest of all time. Uh, I can respect that, that you actually started rooting for another team. Like, and obviously I'm happy it's the Ravens. Right. Uh, that, that 2006 playoff game, if I remember correctly, it's one of the, you know, I have Ravens season tickets. I, I, I was at that game. I'm pretty sure the score was like 15 to six. The Colts won. Isn't that the year they won the Super Bowl? It, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, we held our – I say we, the Ravens, our great defense, <laughs> held Peyton Manning and the Colts' incredible offense to five field goals, kept them out of the end zone, and still didn't win. That was a bitter, bitter pill to swallow. And I had made a bet with someone – I worked at the Baltimore Sun at the time, and I made a bet with someone in the office who was from Indiana and was a huge Colts fan that, you know, if, if the Colts won – I'd have to wear a Peyton Manning jersey and put a blue uh, stripe through my hair that looked like, you know, the Colts, Colts shade of blue. And if uh, the Ravens won, then this person was going to have to wear a Ray Lewis jersey and put some purple in their hair. And I had to do the walk of shame. I had to come into the oh, office wow. for work one night wearing a Peyton Manning jersey and, uh, and had the blue in my hair. But I tell you, I cheated a little bit because I brought in like a piece of masking tape and I, I put it on the back covering uh, Manning's name, and I wrote Unitas. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's my only way to save face. Uh, so last question about football and about the Ravens, because I'm sure people listening to this that don't care about the Ravens aren't interested. But I'm going to ask one more question. Off-season moves for the Ravens. How are you feeling as of this date? Uh, the big, I guess the biggest thing we've done – is uh, signed wide receiver uh, Sammy Watkins. We also signed an offensive guard, Kevin Zeitler, the first day. But nobody gets excited about guards, even though they're very important. Right. Uh, but everybody wanted a wide receiver. There were all these big names out there this year. Um, we got Sammy Watkins. How do you feel? Well, uh, I want to say optimistic because, you know, I, I don't want to be a bad fan and just say, oh, what are they doing? But – uh, I do love the Zeitler sign. I think that yeah. I think that's going to be huge. I really do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, Sammy Watkins, if he can stay healthy, which is you know the hardest part for him, I think he. I know I think he can help up the offense for sure. And you know, it, there's new coordinators and uh, coaches on the on the team this year, so I think that it'll be interesting. But I I love the Zeitler trade. 
or the signing. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it, it'll, it'll be good with the Watkins as well. Well, I hope so. I, I'm putting the, you know, I might be, some people might say I'm pessimistic. I'm trying to, I think of it as realistic. I'm putting the over under at games played for Sammy Watkins in 2021 at nine. That's the over under. I think that's generous, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, if, it, if he plays, if he plays around eight or nine games, I'd be, I'd be kind of shocked, but you know, the crazy thing that, is he's only, he's only 27. It seems like he's been around forever. It does. I remember when he got drafted by the, by the bills and yeah. I, that just seems like forever ago. Now, yeah. if, if he was, you know, coming out of Clemson and the Ravens got him, I'd be ecstatic, but sure. <laughs> yeah. He was amazing in, at Clemson for sure. Yeah. Back in 2015, I think he went number four overall. That, that would have been huge. Yeah. But I think the only time he played all 16 games was, I, I believe it was his rookie year. I don't think he's oh, played man. 16 games since. So, but anyway, that's enough about football. And <laughs> let's, let's talk about you. Let's talk about wrestling. Uh, you had your first match in more than a year in an ROH ring recently. It was uh, against Ray Oris. Uh, but before I ask you about that, I, I want to ask you about uh, why, well, let's, I don't think people know this, but one of the reasons why it took you so long to get back in the ring, not just, you know, of course, everyone was on a hiatus for about five months in Ring of Honor. But then it took you a little bit longer to make your uh, your return because you got COVID, right? Once and then tested positive a second time. Is that is that correct? Yes, that that is correct. Uh, I had COVID in September, like mid September, and uh, it did it did a number on me. Like I, it was it was horrible for about four days. Like I just had really bad body aches and headaches. I lost about twenty pounds. Ooh. in in about a week um but after after the the four days I started feeling a little better and I eventually you know I, I test negative you know thankfully and I test negative on three separate occasions before the October tapings for Ring of Honor so I was flown in to Baltimore uh, I had no symptoms I was you know I was feeling better than I had been feeling and um, we took our we took our tests after arriving and went back to my room. Then I got a call and they said, oh, uh, you tested positive again. Are you feeling okay? And I was like, I, I, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel fine. I don't know how that's possible. Um, so then I was sent home. Uh, as soon as I got home, I took another test just to make sure. And that test came back negative. So I was a little, I was a little worried. I quarantined for 10 days just to make sure nothing was, nothing was wrong. But sure. But yeah, that was just a a roller coaster of a couple of days after I got to Baltimore after you know testing negative. So, but you know, thankfully I've I've had no problems after that. You know, I've tested negative each time afterwards. Uh, I feel great. Uh, probably I feel the best physically I felt in a really long time. So I just you know very thankful that I haven't had any long term effects from COVID nineteen. So were you able to put the weight back on that you lost? I was, yes. I actually relatively quick. I was kind of surprised, but yeah, I'm back. I I lost 20 pounds. I was like at 183 at one point while I had COVID, but now I'm back up to around you know 200 pounds where like that's had just my natural weight. Right. So yeah, just you know, thankfully that that did not take as long as I thought it was going to. Now, did you lose your uh, sense of smell and sense of taste like we hear happens to people? 
I did, yes. I didn't lose my taste. I lost my smell. And I lost it for about a week. And then it came back after about, you know, seven to eight days, which was, again, surprising because I know people and heard stories that you know, they still don't have their smell back or they still don't right. have their taste. So that's, I was really worried about that because it was, it was super strange not to be able to smell anything. I was, uh, it, it really threw me through a loop, but yeah, as soon as it came back, I was, I was really relieved for sure. So obviously your, your return to your, I mean, your first match back um, after going through all that and, you know, actually going to Baltimore after having COVID, thinking that you're free and clear, being tested, going to Baltimore for the, for the bubble, and then finding out you've got a false positive and you have to, you don't get to wrestle. Um, by the time you got in the ring for that first match against Ray Oris, you must, it, I mean, I, what, what did it feel like to finally be back in an ROH ring, not only after just the hiatus, but after this roller coaster of, of having COVID and then testing again positive for COVID? Yeah, I was. I was so nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was so, I was like really nervous because it had, it just had been so long and I wasn't able to train either because I was in Indiana at the time. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in Bristol where I normally train at. I've been off for a year. I've had this, I've had COVID. So I was thinking like, you know, am I even going to be able to do what I used to do? I, I was super nervous, but as soon as I got in there, it's like, I always relate it to like football because that's just, you know, what it always comes back to for me. But, you know, when you're playing football, you're like you're super nervous. But then the first time you get hit, everything's fine. Right. So when I was in the ring, you know, we locked up. That's I was like, OK, you know, everything's going to be OK after this. But leading up to that, I was I was stressing out so much. And I just I really wanted it to be good I just wanted to make my return as the best it could possibly be and a lot of people had a nice thing nice things to say about it so you know I'm glad everything went well yeah I think the match turned out great and um, obviously it was a big win for you uh, we had seen Ray Horace uh, beat Dalton Castle at final battle and then took Dragon Lee to the limit in a TV title match so you know some people watching this may have even been a little bit surprised um, I think it's fair to say probably were surprised that uh, you came out on top uh, in this one. Uh, what did it feel like, though, to be work? Had you ever worked with Ray before? Was this the first time you guys had been in the ring together? And uh, and how was that? Yeah, that was the first time I got to work with Ray. And he's he's great. Like, he is he is so good. But, uh, yeah, I, it was it was really fun working with him. I, I really I really enjoyed it. Uh, again, like. You know, I was super nervous, but everything turned out well. I, I mean, I hope I get to wrestle him again because, again, he's phenomenal, really fantastic. And I think a rematch would be a lot of fun. I think we can do some great things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've asked everybody this who's, who's been part of these, uh, you know, tapings since we returned. The empty arena, um, what was that like for you? I mean, he, it has to be a little strange, number one, just – like you said, being back in the ring after this layoff. Um, so you're super nervous just to get back in an ROH ring again, but then you come out and there's no one cheering. There's no one sitting in the stands. Uh, what, what was that like for you? Was it an adjustment or did you just kind of roll with it? It was, it was bizarre because I 
for me, when I'm out there, I, I really like to feed off of people's energies. It really helps me just pace myself when I'm in the ring and it helps me, you know, make adjustments. But when there's no one there to give you feedback, it's, it's really bizarre because you're wondering like if you should try something else, if you should, you know, speed it up, slow it down. Uh, it was, it was really bizarre, but after, after a while, you know, you get used to it and it becomes to me, it was kind of just like a, like, just like a dojo match that we have here where we're just locked in. Everyone's, you know, people, people are watching you from, you know, afar, but not really making any noise. So that's what I would compare it to. And when, once I realized it was like that, that's when I started to, to settle in. And we've said this is your, this was your first ring of honor match in over a year, but you did get to work a couple of uh, maybe a handful of um, indie matches, right? During our hiatus. So, I mean, maybe there wasn't as much ring rust as maybe with some other people who didn't get that chance. Is that, is that accurate? I actually, I wrestled for GCW in October, right okay. before the ROH tapings. And they had, they had fans there. They were socially distanced and they were wearing masks. Um, and I, I needed that for sure. Absolutely. That was actually a big help because, you know, just running the ropes and, you know, getting my body ready for ring of honor is what, you know, I was looking for, and that's what it gave it to me. So another milestone for you recently at 19th anniversary, I believe this was your first uh, match at an ROH pay-per-view, correct? You were uh, supposed to be at the 18th anniversary show against Bully Ray. So once again, you had to have, you know, the pandemic strikes. Uh, You don't get your match against Bully Ray and you wait a year when you finally do get a match on a pay. This was your first pay-per-view match, correct? It was actually my second. I, um, I had the, the privilege, the honor of wrestling at final battle in the opening match against Kenny King in 2018. Right. Yes. I remember that match. Yes. So that, uh, this was actually my second, um, against Brian Johnson, Dan Housen and LSG. And uh, that was, that was, that match was a lot of fun. Didn't, I wish I won. You know, I wish I got the win, but uh, yeah, I I'm re- I was really happy with uh, how it came out, you know, other than the fact that I did not get the victory. Well, I tell you, I would have been happy if three of the four people in that match had, had won. I would have been fine with it. You know, you or LSG or Danhausen, I would have been just fine with any of you winning. Uh, Brian Johnson, though, that was, uh, that was a bit of a bummer. Yeah, that was a bit of a bummer for me, too, to be honest with you. He, um, uh, <laughs> You know, with a guy who just constantly talks and berates and tries to belittle people as much as he does, uh, the fact that he won kind of, kind of, you know, left a sour taste in my mouth. But you know, hopefully, next time, if I ever get a chance to wrestle Brian Johnson again, I've wrestled him multiple times in, in Ring of Honor, but never in a singles match in Ring of Honor. So maybe that might be something to look forward to in the future. It had to be distracting that during that match, he he literally never shut up. It's it's crazy. It's actually kind of impressive that he doesn't just gas himself up. Yeah, he doesn't because, get blown up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane because I mean he's just constantly talking. He's running around. He's talking, and he's you know, it's it's kind of impressive when you think about it like that. But uh, a little distracting when you're when you're in the ring and someone's just you know yapping in your ear twenty four seven. Another big singles match you just had for Ring of Honor TV was against LSG. 
Um, now, some people may have already seen it over the weekend, but I know a lot of our fans watch Ring of Honor TV on Monday nights when we do the watch parties, so uh, we won't give away any spoilers. But I do encourage everyone to check it out if you haven't already seen it, because uh, it's really a matchup of, uh, of two rising stars in Ring of Honor, for sure. You guys had a match once before, and it was, it was ruined by Bully Ray, from what I recall, right? You guys were wrestling at... Um, it was, it was in 2020, I think February, and then he ruined the match. There was no finish. So isn't that, is that how it went down? Yeah, it was uh, me versus LSG in Nashville, Tennessee. Right. And we were going back and forth, and, you know, we were pretty much going trading blow for blow with each other, and then, you know, Bully Ray had to come and do what Bully Ray does, uh, which was disappointing because I – I felt we could have, you know, really had a great, great match if we just kept on going. So finally, we actually get the chance to, you know, show what we can do. And I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, me too, for sure. We're going to take our first break. We got plenty more to talk about. So we'll be right back with Eli Isom right after this. This is the prestigious one, Joe Hendry, here to tell you about ShopHonor.com. That's the new location to go to for all things Ring of Honor merchandise. We've got an amazing selection with the prestigious Ring of Honor logos, but also we've got merchandise for all your favorite Ring of Honor stars. So go support the company, go support your favorite wrestlers, ShopHonor.com. I'll see you there. Hey, Honor Nation. Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at ShopHonor.com. ShopHonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences. Or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to ShopHonor.com now. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Eli Isom. E- Eli, you don't really have a nickname, do you? I haven't since since I started wrestling. I always thought that the, the nicknames were just really hard to come up with, and yeah. I never wanted to just give myself, like, a random nickname. So I haven't had one for the longest time, but I have recently – come to terms with a nickname that I'm going to be using going forward. And that nickname would be infinite. So I will be going by infinite Eli Isom going forward. I'm, I'm going to write that down. Make sure I don't infinite Eli Isom. I like it. I like it. It works flows. I want to talk to you about, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, at what age did you become a wrestling fan? I think I was in kindergarten, so I was around um, seven or eight, I do believe. Yeah, so this is around uh, maybe like 2000, 2001, around that time. That's when, I, that's when I started watching wrestling or got involved with it. At least I like, just saw it on television. So ever since then, I've, just, I've been hooked. I don't, I don't know what it is. It just, it's always drawn me in. And none of, none of my friends or family members – really liked it all that much like I remember I would go to school and I would have my wrestling shirts on and people would be like oh you watch wrestling that's so dumb blah 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 this that <laughs> you know and I would just say I, I wouldn't care I've never I've never had a problem with like people you know what people think of me or anything like that so I would 
I would always just wear my wrestling shirts and I would just be like, oh yeah, this, <clears throat> this happened on, this happened on Raw, this happened on SmackDown and it, nobody would care, but still I would just, I would talk about it to anybody who would even attempt to listen. Yeah, I think all of us as wrestling fans can identify with that. All of us who were fans as kids is, uh, yeah, there was, all, we were always kind of the outcasts, right? You might've had a buddy or two who were into it, but a lot of people just thought it was silly. Adults especially thought it was silly. My parents hated it. Um, sounds like, you know, your family wasn't too into it, but you eventually, I know we've talked about this before, is that you and your mom really kind of bonded over pro wrestling, right? So was it that you liked it and then she took an interest in it because you liked it? So she had watched it when she was a kid. She okay. was, uh, she would always talk about like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and stuff like that. And so she would always talk about it. And then one day she was like flipping through the channels <clears throat> and a wrestling show came on and she was like, oh yeah, you know, she was, you know, pointing out people and stuff like that. So then we just started watching it and yeah, my dad, my dad just never really caught interest in it. So he would just leave the room and I have, I have three sisters and uh, no brothers. I'm the only boy. So I, I have three sisters and they never really got into it. So yeah, it was just like me and my mom, we would just be like yelling at the TV and, you know, just <laughs> acting a fool basically. And she would take me to, she would take me to like wrestling shows and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely if it wasn't her, I never would have gotten into it as much as I, I am. So where did you see live wrestling? What, what, what was the venue for you? Um, there was a couple of shows that would happen in Valparaiso, Indiana. I forget what the, I forget what the arena was called, but it was just like a small gymnasium. And uh, yeah, she would just, she would take me there sometimes. And I, I've only been to like a handful of wrestling shows when I was a, a fan, when I was just a fan. So I wasn't really like traveling to different states to see, you know, local wrestling. But yeah, I would get, uh, my mom would take me to like WWE live events and they would come to like Valparaiso and, uh, you know, places, uh, towns like that in, in Indiana. So, so how far was that from, from Rensselaer? Oh, about maybe like 45 minutes, an hour not too, tops. Not, not too far. Not too Yeah, far. not not too far at all. And so, yeah, those those were really fun. Those, yeah, those are definitely really fun. So, I remember one – Go ahead. Oh, I just remember one time uh, they had came and like they did this wild main event. It was the big show versus uh, Mark Jindrak and Luther Reigns in a steel cage handicap match. And it was just, it was so absurd, but it was, it was just, it was a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> wow. Jindrak and Luther Reigns. Those are two blasts from the past names. Yeah. Um. But so it was just you and your mom, right, going to these shows. Nobody else in your family went. Just you and mom going to the shows. It right? would be me, yeah, me and my mom, and sometimes my cousins would come. But, yeah, it was, it was mainly just, like, me and my mom just, you know, bonding over that. Yeah, that's funny because I had the exact same experience. Um, my parents didn't like wrestling, but I was so into it that my mom was like, okay, like she never really became a fan, but she would take me to the matches. My dad hated it and refused to go. He just mm. would not go. So my mom would take me, and we went a lot because I grew up in Baltimore. It was a old WWF city and uh, WWF came to town. I mean, I'm talking the days of, 
you know, it's funny when you said Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage as kind of like the old days made me cringe a little bit because that was not the old days for me. The old days <laughs> for me were Bruno San Martino and Bob Backlund, right? So uh, wrestling was at the Civic Center in Baltimore every month. And my mom would take me from the suburbs of Baltimore County, you know, on the, take, hop on the bus and drive down to Baltimore City, uh, which, you know, not the greatest, uh, most safest uh, place in the world around where right. the was. Um, every month, you know, just this, this mom and her little kid going to see the, the wrestling matches. And that is really how we bonded. So um, it, it's very cool when you talk about that. I feel like I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I would have never worked in the wrestling business had my mom not fostered that love of pro wrestling in me. And I guess you kind of feel the same way, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was uh... – yeah, it was definitely all her that really just got me into it because she was just so enthusiastic. She yeah. would, she would just you know, she she didn't she wouldn't care. She would yell, scream. She, she would she would do it all, and you know that let me you know come out of my shell a little bit and try the same thing. And yeah, I just I couldn't be any more grateful for her for sure. So, at what age do you decide um, that you don't want to just be a fan? You actually want to maybe pursue this as a, as a career? What age did you decide, hey, I want to be a pro? I mean, was it right away when you were a kid um, or was it a little bit later? I, I always knew it was something that I wanted to eventually get into. I just never knew how I was going to do it because in Rensselaer, Indiana, there's just not a whole lot of options around or anything like that. So in 2016, I was just working with my dad. Uh, he's, a, he's a mechanic. He works on semi-trucks. So I was working with him and I was watching YouTube on my, my lunch break. So I was watching YouTube on my lunch break and it was like a what culture video. It was 10 things, 10 things you uh, might not know about Ring of Honor. And it was Jay Lethal on the video. And he was just, you know, talking about Ring of Honor stuff. And I was watching it and he was like, he's like, oh, did you know that uh, Ring of Honor actually has a training facility in Bristol, Pennsylvania? So at this time, I'm 21 years old. And I'm, you know, watching it, taking down notes. He's like, yeah, you know, just go to ROH.com. We have you know, all the information for the training facility. So I wrote it down. I started saving my money. I didn't really think that, you know, I would do it just because it was, you know, in Bristol, Pennsylvania, and I'm in Indiana. And I, you know, I had a whole life there, you know, a job. And I was in a relationship at the time. And, you know, I was pretty content with, with life mostly. So, but then when my mom passed away, uh, that's when I was like, I, I have to go for it. I have to do it. I can't, I can't just sit here anymore and just be content. I have to try to go make something of myself so that she'll be proud because that was my biggest thing. I just wanted her to be proud of me. So that's when I was 21 years old in 2016. That's when I decided that I was going to go for it. Yeah, and I know um, you've talked about it publicly about, you know, your mom tragically died in a uh, car accident right around that time that now did she know um that you had you already started training beforehand or did you start after the accident uh i started afterwards okay. so i had told her i had been thinking about it that okay. i was like hey you know mom I'm, I'm thinking about you know going out to pennsylvania they have this like at the time it was like a six-month program for uh, for the training for ring of honor so i was like yeah i'm thinking about going out there and stuff like that and she was like oh well 
if you're going out there, I'm coming with you. And I was like, no, you, you can't do that. You have to stay here. And she's like, no, it's, I'm going to come with you. But then, yeah, in, in December of 2016 is, is when she passed away. And so after that, that's when I was like, yeah, I have to, I just have to do it. I have to do it for her and I got to do it for myself. So what, and I know, again, you talked about this a little bit on your uh, sit down interview that we saw uh, before the, your match against Ray Oris, but you know, if people haven't seen that, um, this must've been just a, a unbelievably challenging time for you. I mean, you're starting off on this new venture, following this dream of being a pro wrestler, um, moving out of your hometown where you, as you said, you had a life there, uh, your mom who you were super close to passes away. Um, I mean, I think you talked about like, you didn't even have a place to stay, right? Like once you got to Pennsylvania, like, no, I didn't. Yeah, it was, uh, I, um, I got here, all the money that I had went towards the training. So I, I really didn't have any money. My dad was, you know, helping me out at the time. And yeah, I, I didn't have a place to stay. Luckily, one of the guys that I was training with, he had he had gotten a place. So I, I just shacked up with him. But yeah, I, I was before we got here, I came here like a week earlier looking for places to live and couldn't find any place. So I was like staying in hotels, you know, just desperately trying to <laughs> trying to find something. But yeah, it it all worked out in the end, thankfully. And your dad, who, as you said, is not really a wrestling fan, what was his opinion of this? Was he like, you know, son, uh, come back to Rensselaer and, and uh, continue your life? Or was he, okay, go follow your dream? What, what were his thoughts? I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, he wants what's best for you. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, when I told him, like, I'm going for it, he was like, okay, you got my full support. That's right. And, uh, but when we, got, when we got out there, he just wanted to make sure that, I was, uh, I really wanted to do it. So I had the, the, you know, the pre-training meeting with Will Ferrara and Cheeseburger and they were giving me the rundown and everything like that. And they're like, okay, well, you know, this is the deposit. So if you want to just, you know, give us this amount of money and, you know, we'll get started. And then like, I was about to, you know, hand them the money. And my dad's like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and I was like, yes. And he's like, are you, are you sure you want to do this? And he asked me that like three, three more times. And I was like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm committed. And he's like, okay, then I'm with you. And I'll give him the money. And I guess you could say the rest is history. For sure. And yeah, we've talked about it on this podcast before is that, you know, pro wrestling training, obviously if you're going to any reputable training center, um, well, <laughs> and even some that aren't reputable, I guess I should say, <laughs> uh, it's not cheap. So and it's non-refundable in most cases. So it is quite an investment uh, when you make that leap. So I can certainly understand your, your dad. As a, as a parent myself, I think I would probably feel the same way and ask about five times, are you sure this is what you want to do before turning the money over? Uh, but So what are those early days of training like? Um, was it harder than you thought it would be? Or was it about what you thought? Because I guess you never really know, right? Until you take that first bump, until you hit the ropes for the first time you don't really know what, what you're getting into. Yeah, no, that's, that's a hundred percent. Right. I have like the first month we didn't even get into the ring. We were just doing like cardio circuit stuff, like neck training, uh, all outside the ring. Cause that's super important. You have to be able to take care of yourself when you're in there. If you can't, then 
you just you should not be in the ring. So they really Cheeseburger and Will Ferrara really made sure that we were prepared, you know, mentally and physically before we actually started taking bumps and stuff like that. But when we did start taking bumps, I was oh I was not expecting it. It was <laughs> my back was all bruised up from like hitting the ropes and I was so sore from taking bumps. But, you know, eventually your body just gets used to it. But that first couple of months, it was uh, it was kind of challenging. I won't I'm not going to lie, even though like I'm an I'm an athlete. I, you know, I think I'm an athlete, a pretty decent one. But, yeah, I mean, when your body is just not used to doing these things, it'll it'll take a toll on it for sure. Right. Well, that's what I was going to bring up is certainly you mentioned you're a three sport athlete. Um, so you've got the physical conditioning, you've got the cardio for all that kind of, for, for the endurance and all that kind of stuff. Um, cause we see a lot of times in, when re- in wrestling training, some people don't survive that. Like that's what people quit on the first day because they can't right. just from that aspect of it, the conditioning. So clearly you had that. It was more of the physical rigors of, like we said, taking the bumps and you can't really prepare yourself for that kind of pounding, even I'm sure playing football right? Doesn't compare to what you're going to get in, a, in, in wrestling training. Oh, no. Yeah, not, not at all. Just two completely different worlds. It's, uh, it's kind of it's crazy because, yeah, like I said, those first, those first few months, I was, I was hurting. <laughs> I, was, I was definitely hurting. But once my body built up the, uh, you know, the resistance, I guess you could say, that's when, you know, I, you know it started feeling a little better. But then when you when you're start to being taught, like, you know, the ins and outs of wrestling you know, that was kind of that was kind of hard for me at first too like I don't I never really thought like I was you know I just picked up on things right away I always felt like I had to work a little bit harder just uh-huh. to you know just to get to where I wanted to be but yeah I mean great train Will and Berger are phenomenal trainers like absolutely phenomenal I wouldn't be the wrestler I am today without those without those guys so I you know I owe them my whole career up until this point. So was there ever a moment um, those first few days or weeks when your body's taking that pounding when you're like, man, I, you know, I, I, geez, I told my dad I was sure I want to do this, but I'm not so sure now Did doubt ever creep in that, that maybe you weren't going to stick it out. Yeah. So when I, like I was doing the training and some days were, you know, just rough and then just like add on the fact that I was dealing with my mom's passing just sure. all by myself. And so I just had all these things like that were, I felt were going wrong for me. And I was like, you know, maybe this isn't a, maybe this isn't the right time. Maybe I should, you know, wait and then I can come back and then I can do it. But, uh, you know, I would just sit there and think, I would think this like, Oh, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll go back home and I'll do it later. But, I knew deep down if I left then, I, I don't think I would have came back. So I, I just, you know, told myself, like, you have, to, you have to stick with it. You know, you have to do it. It'll all pay out in the end. So, you know, it, thankfully, it is. And I, I'm not done yet, though. I am not content of where I'm at. I am looking to be one of the best wrestlers on the roster, looking to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. So, yeah. Eli Isom's far from over for sure. Oh yeah. I think, uh, I think you're just scratching the surface. I think that's fair to say. I think anybody who, um, you know, is an observer of this business, I think they can see that 
there's a lot of potential there, like we said. And, you know, you've only been doing this since, like you said, you started training in 2016. You had your first match in 2017. Um, so you really haven't been doing this very long. And to be four years in and already, you know, have been in the ring with some of the great talent you've been in the ring with, um, you know, I think that's a testament right there to, uh, to, your, to your ability. And obviously to what the people in Ring of Honor think about you, uh, you know, putting you in those spots. So that's got to be a, a confidence boost for you as well. Just knowing, uh, you know, that you get to work with uh, Shane Taylor, uh, you know, Flip Gordon, PJ Black, all these guys that you've been in the ring with, Kenny King. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's a true honor. It really is. Like, I can't believe that <clears throat> so early on I've gotten to wrestle all these guys, <clears throat> especially like when I first started, because I did not think I was ready. And they, you know, they threw me in the deep end, you know, it's sink or swim. And I just, you know, I, I rose through the occasion, I, I believe. But yeah. yeah, I never really thought that <clears throat> I was ready to be in the ring, especially a ring of honor ring. But yeah, I, I'm really glad of who I've gotten to wrestle. And <clears throat> I'm really excited for the future. I think you had mentioned that you were kind of quiet as a kid, right? I mean, were you, were you just kind of naturally shy when you were younger? So when I, uh, at first I was, I was a shy kid, but once I started getting into wrestling, that's when I started to open up. That's what I was going to ask. Did wrestling bring you out of your shell? Yeah, it, it definitely did. Yeah. I've been around you. Um, you're, you're very, uh, mild mannered. You know, when you put those glasses on, um, you know, I feel like a math tutor just walked in or something like that. Like, uh, <laughs> right. Like this guy isn't a, an athlete. He's, you know, on the, the he's a, a mathlete. He's on the math team, the debating team or something. So it, it's almost like this Clark Kent Superman thing, right? You take those glasses off and, uh, and get in the ring and, it, and you're a totally different guy. Um, I want to ask you, though, about obviously a big part of this business, in addition to the athletic part of it, is um, having a persona and, you know, promos are very important. Where do you think you are in terms of that? Is that something that you're comfortable with or you're getting more comfortable with? I think it's something I'm getting more comfortable with for sure. Um, at first I was just kind of, you know, a happy go lucky baby face. And, uh, but now I feel like, especially with my new look, yep. like my new gear and my everything that I'm doing now, I feel more comfortable with, where I can go. I feel like I can branch out into a bunch of different things now. And of course, having more matches and just being more experienced in the ring, I feel like I'm more comfortable as well. But at first I was, I was super like shy and reserved when I was wrestling, I feel, but I, I feel like now is a different story for sure. Definitely. And I've heard so many people in the business say this, that it's just easier to make people hate you than it is to make them like you. And, right. and a lot of times, especially when you're starting out as a, as a baby face that people have never seen before, I think a lot of times, you know, wrestling fans, you know, can be uh, unforgiving at times. And I think when you, when you see a young guy first time who's a white, you know, let's the term white meat baby face, like the first incl inclination is to just boo that person and say, who are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not going to rally behind that guy right away. Um, but I think you have, though, you know, because of your performances in the ring and, and some of the spots you've been in against some top competition, um, 
I think the fans, like I've never heard times I've been, you know, watched you or been in the arena. I've never heard like the, oh, I'm going to root for the heel and be cool when Eli's in the ring. Like I've, I feel like the people have always pretty much been behind you. Yeah, which is super surprising because, I mean, Ring of Honor fans, they, you know, they have the right to just they expect high quality wrestling. Exactly. And um, the fact that they haven't turned on me or, you know, booed me out of the building, it's I, I appreciate them. I, I, re- I really do, especially those, you know, those early days, because there were some times where uh, my performance wasn't what I wanted it to be, but they never really, you know, let me have it or you know told me to kick rocks or anything like that so <laughs> uh, to all the ring of honor fans out there who didn't do that i uh, i truly do appreciate you <laughs> all right we're going to squeeze in our uh, second break here and when we come back we have more to talk about with eli Isom right after this hi i'm quinn mckay the host of ring of honors weekly youtube show week by week join me every tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking roh news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite roh stars we also have some great weekly segments like question of the week this day in history and brian zane's top five join me every tuesday at 1 p.m on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for week by week All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Eli Isom, uh, the infinite, right? Is it the infinite or just infinite, Eli Isom? Just infinite. Just infinite. Yeah, we don't need I, Yeah, I feel like the the is, you know, a lot of people overplay the the, so. Yeah, yeah. infinite Eli Isom. I like it. I like it. I think it's going to catch on. I want to talk about um, your first breakout moment because, we, you know, we've alluded to the fact that you've had some, some really cool moments early on in your career. First breakout moment is you're in a uh, gauntlet match. It's a six-man tag gauntlet match. Winner gets a shot at the six-man titles. And you're thrown into this um, this uh, eclectic mix of a, of a team. You know, we had some, some regular teams in there. Um, and then there's this team of you, Kenny King, and Chuck Taylor, which seemed incredibly random, right? And I think – this is probably not the team that's going to win this right on paper. I mean, I think so, you know, obviously SoCal Uncensored was in there and uh, I'm looking at trying to look this up and see who else is in there. Um, Brian Malonis, Silas Young and Beer City Bruiser, who were a trio at the time. Uh, the Dogs, Rhett Titus and Will Ferrara had hired Shane Taylor, who's kind of a hitman for hire back then. But you guys end up not only winning this match, but you pinned Christopher Daniels. Uh, former RH world champion uh, to win the match for your team. Again, I want to pull the curtain back just a little bit and ask you um, when you're presented with the finish to this match, what's your, like, okay, you guys are, you guys are up tonight. And Oh, by the way, I mean, was it, this, were you told was, was it like Eli, we want you to, uh, to be the guy to get the win. So it's actually a really crazy story because that day I was supposed to wrestle Josh Woods in a singles match. Okay. But uh, and this was in the Hammerstein Ballroom, so I'm supposed to wrestle Josh Woods. Um, and then Kenny King, he had came up to me. He was like, uh, "Hey, man, we had to switch some things around because Shaheem Ali, he had been in a car accident and had hurt his neck, so he was unable to wrestle. So he's like, "Hey, we had to switch some things up. Uh, you're teaming with me and Chuck tonight, and uh, you're up. You're winning." And I was, I thought he was joking. I, I thought it was, you know, <laughs> why would Kenny King, you know, come up and say this to me? So I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, nice one." 
and I was just doing crew at the time, you know, my, uh, my young boy duties, I guess you could say. So I was like, okay, yeah, nice one. He goes, no, I'm serious. Like, you you know, get ready. I was like, wait, like for real. And he's like, yes, for real. So I, I found, uh, I found that out and I was like, okay, well, (laughs) I, I guess so. And I had met up with, uh, with uh daniels and you know he gave me the rundown and yeah it was it's still surreal when i think about it because it's christopher daniels i mean (laughs) i remember watching him on tv when i was just a kid just thinking like oh you know this guy's awesome one of the founding fathers of ring of honor right yeah and now i'm now i'm getting to wrestle him in the hammerstein ballroom and i'm winning I, and, I, I, and you had only been like a year in, right, to your pro career at this point, right? Because yes, yeah, not even, not even like thirty matches, I don't think. Wow. So it was, def, it was definitely insane. It's still insane when I think about it because I, I respect Christopher Daniels so much, and uh, yeah, that's it's definitely one of my favorites, and will always be one of my favorite moments in my career. So just out of curiosity, and again, we, you mentioned earlier that your family, not wrestling fans, uh, but were, are they following your career at this point? Like, did they, un- did they watch it? Did they understand, like, this was a big deal? They, uh, they knew, like, they knew I was, like, wrestling and they supported it and stuff like that. But then once, once this happened, they were like, oh, like, you're, you're really doing it. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I am. And so, yeah, after that, that's really when I feel like, then that's the moment where my wrestling career began was after the Hammerstein ballroom against uh, Christopher Daniels and SCU. So yeah, after that, that's when my, my friends and my family really started to grasp the fact that I'm a pro wrestler now. So a couple months after that, just to follow up on that, I mean, and look at the time, it was kind of like almost like a, what wasn't it like a roll up or kind of almost like one of the fluke type wins. It was, yeah, I reversed the angel's wings into a, a back bridge for the pin. So, right. yeah. They're not, actually, actually, that's not really a slip on a banana peel. I mean, reversing his finisher into a pin, I mean, that's, yeah, it was like out of the blue. It was like quick and sudden. But, yeah, that's not really, I mean, I've seen, you know, more slip on a banana peel type flukes, you know, than that. So it wasn't really that. Um, but I guess, you know, I always say when a moment like that happens, it's like, well, the key is in the follow-up, you know, was it just a moment or are we going to follow up on that? And a couple of months later, you're in a four corner survival match against, you know, let's list, list, list these guys, Shane Taylor, Flip Gordon, Chris Sabin. You're in there with those three guys. And again, I think, you know, looking at that on paper, a fan might be like, Oh, I wonder, you know, is Flip going to win this one or Sabin or Shane? Uh, but now you pinned Shane Taylor to win that one. So what was what was that like? Yeah, uh yeah, when that when that happened, it was like, wow, they you know, they believe in me. You know, they 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 believe I can I can go out there and get the job done. So after after that match happened, that's when it really set in that like, okay, I really need to live up to a lot of people's expectations because I you know, I'm I'm really not one to or I hate letting people down, I should say. I, I just I really hate it especially the people at ring of honor just because they've given me so much and they've invested, you know, they've invested time in me where they, they didn't have to, especially early on when there was so many other great wrestlers that could have had my spot. 
but they've, they've always been behind me. They've always shown me support. So after that, that's when I realized like, okay, I really need to make myself, you know, just make myself work here. Like I have to make sure that their investment wasn't for nothing. So not too long after that, I guess, um, is when the Shinobi Shadow Squad comes together, which is you and uh, Cheeseburger. Now, well, Cheeseburger then, uh, world-famous CB now, and Ryan Nova. How did that uh, pairing come about? It was just we were at the school. We were at uh, Burger School, which is the worldwide dojo. Um, we, were, we were here. We were talking. I was asking Berger, like, uh, you know, what are you, what are you going to do next? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if I have anything, uh, like, set in stone or lined up. And then I don't think me and Ryan had anything lined up either. So we were thinking, just, you know, putting our brains together. Like, what if we just started a, a trios? Because, you know, we could always use more trios in Ring of Honor with the, the six-man titles. Yep. So we were thinking, like, Yo, let's just make a trios and see where it goes. And so we started – thinking about stuff we could do, you know, names, uh, this, that, and the third. And then, you know, eventually we came to a name. We came for, uh, we came with, uh, you know, gear and stuff like that. We presented it. They liked it and we rolled with it. And I think that it was, obviously we didn't accomplish what we wanted to, but I feel that it was really important for me in my career, for sure, because it allowed me to kind of loosen up not be so tight because I was just in there with, you know, two of my friends right? and and one of my trainers especially. So I could, I could really just like, you know, ease up and know that it wasn't all on me. I guess I could say I had other people helping me. So yeah, without that, uh, I don't think I would have progressed as quickly as I did. Who, Who came up with the name? That was actually me. I actually came up with it at first. It was going to be, uh, the Shaolin Shadow Squad, but uh, none of us are from Shaolin, so <laughs> so uh, I was just thinking of other things that sounded cool to me, and uh, Shinobi's stuck, and that's what we went with. Yeah, it did give you guys an opportunity too to um, you know show a different side, show some personality. I remember you guys were filming like these backstage, like you guys were like ninjas, right? Right. Yeah. That's, that's what we were going for. Yeah. And I, the funny part was like, every time, I don't know if people remember these or not, but every time you guys would show up, peek around a corner or something like that, this like, this music would play. This, I can't, how would you describe that music? It was almost like, a, I don't know. Kind of like, like a, kind of like a, a wind flute or something like that. Yeah. It's something you might hear in one of the old Kung Fu movies, right? Right. Yeah. Something like maybe in a Bruce Lee or something like yeah. that. So I guess the, at this point, and this is kind of a you know, weird question, I, and I'll just ask it anyway. So you're <laughs> kind of getting a little bit of the singles run, um, and, and you know, you're in there with guys like Shane Taylor and so forth, and then you know, you're doing the Shinobi Shadow Squad, which you're doing it with two of your best friends, but it kind of took you off that singles track a little bit. Uh, was there any thought in your mind at that point, like, whether that was really the right way to go or were you or, or like, I don't know, what were your thoughts? Well, I felt like, I mean, obviously I love doing singles matches. Like those, those are great. That's where you get to showcase, you know, how you are as a wrestler. But 
I never really took it as like, oh, I'm doing Shinobi Shadow Squad stuff. So like that's taken away from my my singles career. I never really looked at it like that just because I was having fun. I mean, we were just having fun and I was getting experience, which I think was the most important thing. Uh, Beforehand, when I was wrestling, you know, just as singles, I wasn't really I wasn't on every show. But, you know, as the Shinobi Shadow Squad, we always even if it was a dark match, I mean, I, I didn't really care about that just because I was getting to wrestle and I was getting to wrestle more frequently than I would by myself. So I think that, it, I mean, it was great for me just because that experience is, is key. That's, that's one of my biggest faults, I would say, compared to everybody else on the roster is that I don't really have as much experience as everybody else does. So yeah. thankfully, the Shinobi Shadow Squad gave that to me. Was uh, was Berger acting almost like as a player coach at that point because he is your trainer, or was he was he just like nah I, like in these matches I'm I'm your partner I'm not your trainer. No, so he was definitely uh, he was definitely in that uh, Jackie Moon rule for yeah. sure. <laughs> he was, uh, you know, we would go out there do our thing, but as soon as we came back, he would tell me like, okay, do this. We can do this different. We can do that different. You know, we can make this better. You know, this better. So, yeah, he was definitely uh, steering the ship for sure. And, uh, yeah, I I mean, I said it before, but, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't think that, you know, world famous CB or Burt, I still call him Burger, but because we're just so close. But nobody would think that, oh, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, you know, just give give one look at him. But he he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing in the ring. And, uh, yeah, all of his lessons and teachings have – just been a tremendous help for me for sure so let me ask you then about um goals right i mean you said earlier in this in this podcast that you know your your long-term goals are you want to be one of the best of the best and um i think you know obviously anybody who's aspiring to be anything in this business they should shoot for the for the moon you know else why why else would you why else would you do it um and look you know you're only a few years in so it seems like you're well on your way what about in the in the short term? Have you set short term goals as far as maybe where you'd like to be by the end of twenty twenty one, or you know where you want to be next year? Have you have you thought? Do you think in those terms? Um, so I do, but I try not to get too wrapped up into them because I don't want to set these expectations and then not meet them. That's always the worst when you you know you hope for something and it doesn't and you know it doesn't come to fruition. So I do have goals. I mean, I, I really want to move up in on the roster, just, you know, at, in my spot, because I feel like I'm ready. I feel like now that, you know, I've switched up my, my style and my look, I feel like now I'm ready more than I've ever been to be a player in ROH. And, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping, you know, I can, you know, get some gold, that's I've always you know that's what I've always dreamed of because that's that's how you know that's validation that you're one of the best is when you're holding the title for me anyway that's how I view it so though though, that's that's definitely one of my goals and another one of my goals is to just get back into wrestling in terms of like wrestling more because obviously in 2020 I, I didn't get to wrestle all that much just because of the pandemic so definitely in 2021, I'm looking for gold and I'm looking to wrestle more. Those are my short-term goals. When you look around this locker room and there's just 
so much talent. I mean, I've said it many, many times that top to bottom, you know, I'll, I'll put this roster against any um, in, the, in, the, in the business. Uh, are there any guys in particular that you look at and, and go, like, man, I, I, I really want to work with this person. Like, I, I think we, we'd have a phenomenal match. And I guess, you know, you could probably say that about every single person in the locker room. Right. Yeah, you could. Anyone that's kind of stands out for you. Uh, for me, the, the one person that I've always wanted to wrestle uh, is Jay Lethal. That's just, I've, I've just, you know, I've been a fan of uh, Lethal's for such a long time. And, uh, you know, I look up to him a lot. And I, yeah, that's the one match that I, I really want. I think that me and him could just, you know, tear the house down. Have you ever been in the ring with Jay, even in a tag or anything? I haven't. I've, I've, we've never crossed paths in the ring. And, you know, I always, I always tell him, like, hey, you know, let's, uh, when are we going to mix it up? <laughs> and he's like, oh, you know, hopefully soon. So, yeah, Jay Lethal is definitely my number one. Well, I would think that's only a matter of time. I mean, at some point, that, that's a match that for sure has to happen. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Are you still the youngest guy in the locker room, as, to, as far as you know? Uh, I'm maybe. I think so. I think Bandito and I are the same age. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely one of the youngest for sure, which is also kind of, kind of strange because, you know, the, you know, the age gap. It's always, there's always, you know, the age gap and how people talk to each other and stuff like that. And that's why I'm kind of uh, – I kind of just – keep to myself when I'm in the locker room just because I don't want to step on anybody's toes or, you know, say the wrong thing. Sure. So that's, that's why I'm a, you know, I kind of just keep my distance and, you know, be respectful while I'm in the locker room. All right. And as I said, what a, what a locker room it is. I mean, certainly, um, man, you could just by being around all those, all those people, um, you know, you're going to pick up so much, uh, in terms of experience and, you know, and I think I would think not just what you can learn in the ring, but, you know, how to carry yourself outside the ring too, which I know is, is a big part of it. Like you said, I mean, there is uh, there's wrestling etiquette and all that stuff. And um, you're certainly around a lot of good people. Oh, absolutely. Our, our roster is amazing. Like I, you know, I've been in, you know, different locker rooms, just like, you know, independent locker rooms and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, the guys in there, you know, you can just tell some of them are, you know, you just kind of just keep your distance from them. But in Ring of Honor, like, everybody's awesome. Everybody's so cool. And, I mean, you know, especially, and I keep bringing it up, but especially for me, just because, you know, I'm so young into my career, like, they have no business to be as nice as they have been. Like, everybody on the roster has always showed me respect and kindness and, whenever I ask a question about my match or, you know, what I can do better, they always, you know, give me help. And I, I, I really do appreciate it. Well, and I think what it says is beyond the fact that we just got good people in the locker room uh, in general is, um, you know, I think a lot of it must be too, is they look at you and, and, and they see the talent there. They see your work ethic, they see your dedication. And also maybe selfishly, they'd be, they, they see like, all right, you know, here, here's a guy I can, I can make money with down the line. Like this guy is, is a part of this company and, uh, and we want him to do well. Cause if he does well, then a lot of other people are going to do well. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a, one of the biggest compliments you can get. 
you know, especially for me because I'm just, you know, a small town kid from Indiana. I don't really, I don't really look for much, you know, I don't ask for much, but uh, yeah, the fact that they give me the respect that they do and, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is. Well, you are Rensselaer, Indiana's favorite son. So I'm not going to, nobody can take that from you. And <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm going to see about getting your name on that Wikipedia page. Yeah. Somebody, I can't do it myself because then if I do it, you know, it just, you know, it'll look bad. And so if, yeah. if somebody can do it, you know, I'll tell that, you would, that would be great. Well, consider it done because after we're done <laughs> this podcast today, I, you know, honestly, I've never um, like tried to update or go in on a Wikipedia page ever. So this is going to be my first, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make sure your name is on there, that you are, you are among the uh, notables from Rensselaer, Indiana. Otherwise, you know, the page just has no credibility. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. So I'm going to get <laughs> on. That. All right. Well, we're going to take our final break. And then when we come back, if you're up for it, Eli, we're going to play a little game that we like to call 10 questions. Are, are you, are you up for that? Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right. Back with 10 questions with Eli right after this. Experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans. ROH-TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH-TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the hashtag WatchROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. How do I watch ROH TV? Start by visiting ROHWrestling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area? Don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Stir City as well as Fight.tv. ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Stir and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHWrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Infinite Eli Isom. Did I get it right that time? Absolutely. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) All right, it only took me three tries. Infinite Eli Isom. All right, so we're going to play a little game we call 10 Questions. Eli, are you ready to go? Let's do it. And it is now time for 10 Questions. With Kevin. Question number one. What's a subject you'd like to know more about? Hmm. Let's see here. I think a subject I would like to know more about would probably be uh, math. Let's say that. I'm not, I was never really that good at math, but I feel like people that are good at math are, they're just cool. You know, they just get it. So I'm going to say math. Okay. So I was guilty then of, of judging the book by the cover. Like I said earlier, I look at you in those glasses and when you're not in your wrestling gear and I think math geek. Yeah. And I was well, and You know what? I, I really did appreciate it. I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, hey, you know, if, if that's what he thinks, I'm not going to tell him otherwise. Okay. All right. Well, just goes to show everybody out there, do not judge the book by the cover. <laughs> Question number two, do you have any hidden talents? 
Um, I actually don't. And uh, I, I really hate to say it, but I don't. My guess, the one hidden talent, I guess you could say, is that uh, I can... I can bend my thumb back a little bit further than everybody else. Uh, so I guess that might be a hidden talent, just kind of like wiggling your ears or something like that. Yeah, my thumb is uh, abnormally flexible. How about that? Huh. <laughs> now, does that uh, does that help you in everyday life at all? Uh, believe it or not, it does not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> question number three. What's the last show that you binge watched or are currently binge watching? The last show that I binge watched. Um, so uh, I didn't watch Breaking Bad when it first came out, but uh, I think about a year ago, I finally got into it during the pandemic. And I was, that show was awesome. It, it was, it's incredible. So yeah, during the pandemic, I just binge watched Breaking Bad and, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, I, I've, I've never, honestly, I've never seen it. You know, I've never seen an episode. But everybody who has watched it says how great it is and that I should watch it. So, oh, uh, yeah. I highly recommend. At, at first, too, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to watch it. It can't be that good, right? Right. But no, yeah, it is It is that good. <laughs> it really is. Okay. Well, that seems to be the consensus. All right, question number four. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if you haven't, do you believe in its existence? No, I haven't, but yes, I do. And that's why I haven't had an experience because I always stay far away. If someone says, oh, this place is haunted or this, that, no, I'm not there. I, I stay far away from that place. So when you went to, uh, so did you actually make it out to Vegas for 18th anniversary? I know the shows were canceled, but some people flew in, some people didn't. Did you actually make it into Vegas? Yes, I did. Yeah, I, fl I flew in, and then when I landed is when I was told that all the shows were canceled. So I was stuck in Vegas for a couple days. So because because of what you just told me about your um, sort of trepidations about the paranormal, I'm guessing you did not go with the rest of the crew to the haunted museum, Zach Bagan's museum. Is that correct? No, yeah, no way. I was, uh, I was, I was not there, <laughs> and I was happy that I was not there. <laughs> All right. See, I would love to go. That, that's. I was so jealous when I saw that everybody went. You had a chance to go and didn't go. That's like, kills me. <laughs> All right. Question number five. Who was your favorite athlete? Uh, growing up, it was Ray Lewis for sure. absolutely, like no question about it. Just you know. Just his pregame speeches alone are legendary. So, you know, couple that with what he did on the football field is incredible. Yeah, I love Ray Lewis. Have you ever had the opportunity to go to a Ravens home game? I haven't. That's that's the one thing that I really want to do. I went to a – I have been to a Ravens game. I drove to Cincinnati when I was in high school, and I went to – that was the year they won the Super Bowl, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I went there, and it was week, week 17, so none of the start, starters were playing. But, uh, yeah, that's the only Ravens game I've ever been to. It's a shame you never got to see Ray Lewis come out and do it, do his dance and get everybody fired up. It's uh, a, it's a yeah, it's one of my biggest regrets for sure. Yeah, it's goosebump moment for sure. Uh, okay, question number six. Are you a dog person, cat person? Do you like both or do you like neither? Big, big dog guy, can't stand cats. And it's probably because that I'm allergic to cats. 
so that might play a factor into it but i i love dogs any type of dog i yeah i can't get enough of them do you have a dog i don't actually yeah i'm looking to get one though so probably soon but uh yeah i I do love dogs all right question number seven if you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure past or present living or deceased who would it be Hmm. so let's say living right now i would love to talk to the rock just because Mm -hmm. you know it's the rock uh and deceased i would love to just sit down and uh have a conversation with either Malcolm X or Martin Luther King Jr. Just because, I mean, you know, to say that they're influential is just a complete understatement. And the, what they did for, you know, the black community and black culture is, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. So I would love to, you know, talk to them and, you know, just get different ideas of how to make, you know, the world better. Absolutely. Great answers there. Uh, question number eight. What's something popular that you don't see the appeal of? TikTok. <laughs> that I think that is the most popular answer on this podcast for what's popular I, that people don't get. <laughs> I just I, I don't I don't understand it, and I feel like you know I'm at that age to where you know I probably should get it, but yeah, you should at your age definitely. Yeah, I uh, I don't I just don't get it. I used to have Vine when I was you know younger. I loved Vine because it was just like six second clips. Right. Uh, but, you know, with all the TikTok and the dances and I just, it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Number nine. Uh, do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there something that you're into that um, you might be embarrassed to admit? Uh, yeah, I watch uh, anime. I guess that's my, my guilty pleasure. Uh it's a lot of my friends think it's like super weird uh but yeah i don't i I enjoy it i I think it's uh i think the animation and stuff like that's really cool yeah i guess that would have to be my guilty pleasure okay now be honest do you go to these like anime conventions and cosplay do you do that do you dress i don't i don't go that far okay (laughs) that's that that's a little bit too i can watch it from afar but uh i i don't think i can ever participate okay I can understand that. Right. <laughs> Question number 10. What is the best advice that you've been given about pro wrestling and who gave it to you? Oh man, that's a tough one. Cause I've been, I've been given so many, so, you know, just, I've been given great advice, you know, the whole time I've been here in ROH, but, uh, let's just say instead of the best, let's just say what's one piece of advice that comes to mind, uh, that you've been given. I I always think of what uh, Delirious would uh, would ramble on about, you know, in his incoherent words. Uh, he would, you know, and and Will and Berger would be there to to explain, but he would say something along the lines of, "Don't ever worry about going too fast. You know, always take your time in the ring and never do too much because you don't have to." And I that's something that I've always, you know you know, just appreciated because I felt early on, I was like, okay, well, I got to do this and this. I got to hurry up. I only have five minutes. Well, we have to do all these things. And, but that's not the case. So I'm super grateful that, you know, that's what he uh, told me. At least I think that's what he told me anyway. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, that's sound advice. You know, it's, it's funny. Delirious is really kind of like a wrestling savant, right? Because you, you can't understand a damn word he's saying, but if you can, when you have someone there who understands and it can translate, it's uh, it's sage advice, no doubt about it. Really it really is. Yeah, the the people who do the the subtitles, yeah, for his matches, I whoever does that, you are you are a saint and you are unbelievably talented. I'll I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm trying to get uh, I'm trying to find a delirious translator because you know I'd love to have him on the show, love to have him on the podcast, but uh, I don't know if we could do an hour and fifteen minutes of um, you know delirious's speak and then having someone translate. I don't know if uh, people would stick with that. But yeah, he, he would definitely had a lot of interesting things to say, though. That's yeah. uh, I'll give him that. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. Well, Eli, uh, that's the end of 10 questions. Um, is there anything else uh, before I let you go? Any final words you'd like to have uh, or like to give uh, to the people listening? And could you also tell us where we can find you on social media? Obviously, you won't be doing TikTok, but are, are you on the Twitter? Uh, where can we find you? Yeah, I just uh, just like to say that, you know, all the Ring of Honor fans who are listening to this and, you know, any of my friends or my family, just thank you for sticking with me for this past year where, you know, I had to deal with, you know, health issues and not wrestling. It's it's really appreciated that you guys showed me so much love and support, especially when I came back and wrestled Ray Oris. So I, I couldn't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough. and. Uh, we're just getting started uh, for sure. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Eli Isom, but the Isom is spelled E-Y-E-S-U-M because a lot of people have a hard time pronouncing my last name. So I had to spell it out as if it was, you know, how it's pronounced. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. Well, Eli, uh, or as I should say, infinite Eli Isom, yeah, thanks so much for uh, for being on today. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Hope to see you somewhere down the line at a live show. Um, fingers crossed that it'll be happening hopefully soon, somewhere in 2021. And uh, who knows, maybe one day we might actually be at a Super Bowl party together as Lamar Jackson hoists the Lombardi Trophy. Fingers crossed on that one. I hope so. I think you can do it. So uh, Me too. Me too. We got to have the faith. All right, well, and I want to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked onto ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files. I know Eli never misses it every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.